discussing Trudeau's successive undemocratic gun bans and then how to get yourself kicked off of Twitter by being pro-hunting. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed and you're watching The Gun Show. do something that they never do over at the CBC, and that's divulge my bias right off the top, because I think my bias actually makes me uniquely poised to talk about this issue. I am, unlike so many of my peers in the mainstream media, a firearms owner, aficionado, enthusiast. In fact, I have a restricted firearms license, which means like so many of you out there, I am under attack by Justin Trudeau. I face the threat of confiscation of my lawfully obtained property. I, like so many of you, are scapegoated by Justin Trudeau and the liberal government for the failures of progressive mayors in Canada's big cities and the failures of Justin Trudeau to enforce border policies that would stop illegal gun trafficking across the border. It is not guns like mine that are committing the crimes in Toronto. So there you go. You know why I care about this issue. But even if you're not like me, even if you're like, I don't care about guns, I don't own a gun. I don't even care about property rights, which is really what this comes down to. Maybe you care about the government wasting your money to go after people who've done nothing wrong instead of spending some money to go after the perpetrators of the crimes. Um, I saw this this morning in my email inbox. It's from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. It's their latest press release. Costs for gun ban and buyback continue to balloon despite not buying a single gun. And that's the thing. They call it a gun buyback, but uh, these were never the governments in the first place. I have to turn my guns over or have my door kicked in and go to jail. Anyway, let's keep going. Taxpayers have already been billed more than $3 million to run the federal government's office responsible for the gun ban and buyback scheme. There is more evidence that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's gun ban and buyback is going to be another taxpayer boondoggle, said Franco Terrazano, federal director of the CTF. The feds are spending millions of dollars before reimbursing a single gun owner. So it's a good bet that this bill will keep ballooning. The Firearms Buyback Secretariat was created in June 2020 inside the Department of Public Safety to run the Trudeau government's gun ban and buyback scheme. The office cost at least $3.7 million so far, with $2.1 million spent on salaries and another $1.6 million spent on operations, according to a statement given to the CTF. The department refuses to provide the total budget allocated to the office this year. So this is just office operating expenses. This is not the enormous amount of money that they are going to have to expend on buying back guns that were never theirs to begin with. No firearms have been purchased yet. The gun ban and buyback scheme has been delayed until October of 2023. The federal office is currently staffed by 10 bureaucrats with records showing draft plans to hire eight more, costing up to $2 million per year in salaries alone. The Liberal Party originally said the gun ban and buyback would cost $200 million. However, the Parliamentary Budget Officer estimates reimbursing gun owners could cost up to $756 million. The $756 million estimate does not include administrative or staffing costs or door repairs when the RCMP come to kick in your door. 
So even if you don't care about guns, you not a gun enthusiast, maybe you don't, like I said, care about property rights, this is going to turn into $1 billion and then $2 billion while crime continues to get worse in Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, and guns continue to get trafficked across the border. Because Justin Trudeau always takes the path of least resistance because he is both lazy and an extreme ideologue. So joining me tonight to discuss the undemocratic gun bans, the end of handgun ownership in this country, how none of it is going to have an impact on crime rates, and what happens when you post a few too many anti-liberal facts and pro-hunting pictures on your Twitter account is DJ Sumanic. Some of you may know him as Yukon Strong on Twitter, but unfortunately, he's not there anymore. Take a look at the interview we recorded yesterday morning. So joining me now is DJ Sumanic. Uh, many of you may know him as a gun rights activist. Some of you may have formerly known him as Yukon Strong on Twitter, but we'll get to why that might be an impossibility in a second. DJ, thanks for joining me. Why don't you give people a Coles Notes version of who you are, just because you might be new to some people. Um, I'm a born and raised Yukoner. Um, I actually grew up in rural Yukon, uh, raised on a trap line, actually, uh, with my father. So very traditional upbringing. We didn't have running water uh, till I was, I think, six or seven. I don't know. Um, but hunting, fishing my whole life, you know, um, I'm a professional hunting guide. I guide hunts uh, twice a year. Uh, which has been reduced a bit lately because of the whole COVID stuff. People haven't been able to come hunting and stuff, but uh, I run an outfitting area with my father in British Columbia. And uh, I'm a full-time uh, IT specialist. I work uh, doing all sorts of telecommunications, fiber optics, all sorts of stuff up here uh, in the communities uh, around the Yukon. And uh, I'm fed up with this government trying to control my life, more or less. I I first got, you know, involved in politics, I would say. I, I think, the, you know, I was mostly apolitical most for the majority of my life. You know, I, I always voted conservative. Um, but, you know, I, I wasn't super active until Trudeau got in power. And he started to slowly but surely try to eradicate my way of life, my family's way of life. And uh, you, you can either sit there and let it happen or you can push back. And, uh, you know, I think that's the, the case for a lot of conservatives out there uh, in Canada right now is they've, they've sort of been just trying to hide and, and keep under the radar a little bit these last few years and hope the problem's going to go away. But it, it's not going to go away. We're in serious trouble now uh, on multiple fronts. Firearms, of course, is a big problem right now. But it's that's just kind of the tip of the spear. The firearms ownership is is um, I'd call it the canary in the coal mine uh, when it comes to civil liberties in the country. And what happens to gun owners? It eventually trickles down to the civilian population and problems start from there. You know, I, I'm glad you made that point, because it. It seems as though Justin Trudeau seized upon the pandemic and the chaos and confusion and the fear and the like the TV induced anxiety uh, that a lot of people who weren't quite paying attention to how things were shaking out. He used it to start 
you know, for lack of a better term, his great Canadian reset. He moved on firearms rights. He upped the carbon tax. He, you know, you had these rumblings for UBI, which is sort of what uh, everybody's $1,200 turned out to be. You know, that was sort of the test of it. Uh, But what had been just something bantied around um, in liberal circles, he used an order in council to just like that ban some very popular Canadian firearms in the most undemocratic of ways. Just here's a list of things we don't like. And they just kept adding to the list. Like there's a 410 on there. I wouldn't shoot a turkey with a 410, but because it looked cool, it ended up on there. They're going after replica guns, which is going to level the airsoft industry. Um, I guess, did you see that coming? I saw something coming. I just didn't see it that big. I I think a really good way to summarize everything that you just brought up is that COVID-19 has become a tool for power abuse in this country. Um, Right from day one, you know, there were many folks on both sides of the aisle saying we need to shut down travel from China, right? Like the, the, the pandemic was on the other side of the ocean. Um, you know, we need to shut down the borders and stop, at least make an attempt to stop it from infecting our country. And he delayed, he, he, he deliberately let it happen, you know, slowly, but surely, you know, the infections got in and they wanted it. They were hoping it was going to be just as, just bad enough to, to make things, you know, uh, so that they could spend a bunch of money without having yeah. any accountability, I think was the initial thing, but it got out of control, obviously. Uh, and uh, everybody got sick. The healthcare system collapsed. The government services have collapsed. If you, No matter what metric you look at in this country right now, the liberal government is failing on the file, period. It's way over cost and it's way underperforming. And you know, the OIC gun ban is something that the liberals have been, they've been wanting, they've been salivating at an opportunity to do this for, for many years. Like this, this happened with the long gun registry. This, this, this happened before this happened in, in, yeah. in the nineties with the, with Alan rock and the initial uh, C68. Um, and, uh, they've been tro- slowly, but surely trying to eliminate civilian firearms ownership in this in this country for many years and the strategy that they use is they they try to find an emotional moment to manipulate the masses to to abuse um the the messaging with their friends in the media that they pay for by the way and um use it to undermine civil liberties of every single canadian and it's very interesting how you mentioned that the OIC uh, was done in an undem- undemocratic fashion. Well, it's really important for any Canadian out there watching this. It doesn't matter if you like guns or not. The bottom line is he seized property without justification. He worked with the RCMP to to create a, 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 a story. Uh, more or less to to justify the action and there is no recourse and it, it's a real eye-opener for every Canadian that we have no property rights in this country you, you your home your vehicle anything your bank account as we saw with the truckers anything that you think you own the government can seize at will 
And this is not like something that we need to disagree about. I I, I think that people who th- on, on the other side of the political aisle is me, if they, they have a smartphone, they think they own that smartphone. No, they don't. If the government says, no, that's gone, it's gone. Okay. And, you know, we have to establish some sort of property rights in this country or moving forward, governments on all sides will abuse this power. So I would recommend that Canadians who are concerned about this issue, they look into the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights. They actually have a charter challenge underway. We're, we're pushing this through the court. And the, um, the, the latest I've heard is there might be a decision on it in December or January, but it's going to be a pre- preliminary decision because if we win, the federal government is going to take it to the Supreme Court. And if we lose, we're going to take it to the Supreme Court. So it's a, it's a long ways from being over. Um, but the bottom line is we all need to help fund the CCFR and other organizations like the JCCF um, to make sure that our charter rights are actually being upheld in this country. Because we saw over the last two years, there was abuses on, on every level from kids to grandmothers to teachers to doctors to nurses to blue-collar workers you know white-collar workers it doesn't matter your race your gender your profession the government targeted you and harassed you if you did not comply and uh taking away firearms i would uh sit I would put forth that that is part of that agenda. It's a part of the government trying to control you, trying to take away your ability to say, no, thank you. Please leave me alone. And that's where we're at now with Marco Mendicino is he's saying, no, we're going to come take your guns. He's trying to get the police to go door to door, it looks like more or less. So it's going to be some interesting times. And I think he's going to meet a lot more resistance than he realizes, not just from individual gun owners like myself, um, but as we're seeing now, Alberta, uh, Manitoba, Saskatchewan are on board. I've been pushing uh, the the parties here uh, to speak up about it. I've got a response from one of the party leaders. They're supposedly supposed to be bringing it up in the legislature, legislature next week, I'm hoping, but I, I, I know I, I have little control over that. Um, but I do think as time goes by and the the costs of this sort of get underway and the 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 amount of resources it's going to divert from uh you know actual policing of actual criminals the the cops aren't going to want to do it the the administrative staff isn't going to want to do it they just it's just a huge mess that costs a bunch of money and accomplishes nothing and it's very important. I would really stress this to every gun owner across this country that you do not make this easy for them. You have until October 2023, legally, you have an amnesty until then. You don't have to do anything, no matter what this government says, what letters they email you, you don't have to do anything. And if you're planning on turning in your firearms, which I don't think many people, at least in the provinces that are refusing now, are going to, Um, If you're planning on turning in your firearms, make sure at least you do it at the 11th hour. We need to ramp up the stress on this government and put put the fear on their shoulders because right now there are millions of Canadians that are being criminalized by the government. Like what, what, what kind of democracy is it when you, when you have to live in fear of what, what the government is going to do to you, you know, uh, 
I haven't broken any laws. No gun owners I know have broken any laws. When they do, their guns are seized, so they're not guns gun owners anymore. Um, you know, we shouldn't have to live in fear uh, of what Justin Trudeau will do to us. You know, he should be working with us. You know, even even if we're going to agree to disagree on firearms, traditionally grandfathering has been used uh, as a way to make severe and, and serious regulatory changes. And this is this is something I'd really like to bring up to um, Sheila is this is how crazy this ban has got. So step one, as you mentioned, they're banning airsoft rifles, right? So these are toy guns. They're non-lethal. They shoot like a plastic pellet. You get hit in the face. It stings. Nothing. Yeah, right. if, if that. Not lethal. They're saying that if you don't hand over their, those guns, you're a criminal, that they're going to send the police to your house. That's what Marco Mendicino is saying. We're going to seize those guns. Yet they're grandfathering handguns, right? So you're allowed to keep a handgun and, and allowed to use it, but not a toy yeah. rifle. There's no science. Something, Follow yeah. the science. <laughs> Something's wrong there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of, we saw Marco Mendicino, so he pushed back. He says, well, uh, firearms law isn't a la carte. You don't get to pick and choose what rules to follow. And it's irresponsible for the provinces to try and choose what what laws they're going to comply with. Yet, just last year, like for the last two years, three years since this OIC has come in, they've been advocating to give municipalities, cities, yeah. the ability to ban handguns if they want so they're saying well those it's okay if you want to ban guns well you can you don't have to follow the federal laws then you can choose your own laws but now they're saying oh now that you're resisting us now now you have to follow federal laws so they're they're just all over the place it has nothing to do with public safety anymore it's purely about uh, a wedge issue for the upcoming election which should be sooner rather than later here i think um and um we're going to see more like the worst attacks on gun owners we've ever seen in the history of this country because Justin Trudeau needs to change the channel on his failures and gun owners need to brace themselves for that and just peacefully hold the line. Just say no, thank you. You know, I was looking through some of the data because the liberals were forced to produce the statistics through an order paper question about two weeks ago yep. and um, legal guns, legal uh, handguns out of 137 handgun related murders across the country. And that includes gang violence, whatever, just 11 of them were legally obtained now. And that doesn't, that means that could also mean that they were stolen and then used in a crime. So that at some point they had been legal at some point, those 11 had been legal guns. It sounds like the other remaining, <laughs> what is it? 126 must have been trafficked across the border into the hands of gangsters and criminals. And then with regard to airsoft, like that, that's an entire industry that's being leveled. People are losing their businesses because of this. Um, mm -hmm. Only 6% of all gun-related instances were committed with replica guns. That includes airsoft, and that might even be brandishing on the street and some cop charged you with mischief. Um, just 6%. And yet, instead of saying, okay, we're going to spend this billion plus that we're going to spend on the buyback that's going to be like four billion by the time they're done on policing 
border security, maybe, because that's really the problem here. It's not gun owners, it's border problems. Um, they're just going to buy guns from people who were doing nothing with them. Yeah, it, well, there's a, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, the first thing that I would like to say, I guess, is that the gun ban, it's it's not public safety in nature anymore. It's 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 undeniable that it's ideological in nature and that it's a political avenue to try and change the channel on, on what's happening with this liberal government. Like our country is in deep, deep trouble right now. Economically, our, our military, like war war is brewing. We just yeah. we just had a hurricane. Justin Trudeau went bungee jumping. You know, like we're out of control here. And it's it's not an exaggeration. And you know, I look at all the problems that we're having, the public when it comes to public safety, you know, there's there's so many things that we're we're failing on right now that this money could be used to to rectify. And it's it's being used to attack political opponents. Period. And as it as it, as a message to gun owners out there, I really want to say this: if you turn over your firearms with this ban, you are accepting responsibility for mass murder that you did not commit. That that's what they're saying: that you are too dangerous of a person to peacefully coexist in our society, and that you bear the responsibility for actions that you had nothing to do with. It's the assignment of class guilt. It's a form of bigotry. Mm. And your reward will be a smiling, smirking Justin Trudeau talking about how successful he was at controlling and protecting Canadians from conservatives. That That's, that's what he's going to do. That's going to be your reward. And he's going to offer you your own money to do this. It's, it's unacceptable. Uh, you know, our inflation is out of control as is, um, you know, and the, this notion of a buyback is if the government owned this property to begin with is it's absolutely insane. It's completely wrong. And it goes back to what I said at the beginning. It's time to assert property rights in this country. It's just, and it's not just gun rights. It's all property rights because the government is going to abuse its power moving forward. Like this is the new normal. Do what we say or else. And we saw that time and time again over the last few years. You know, I think you're right when you say that it is time to assert our power as firearms owners. I think the other side of this argument doesn't realize how mainstream gun ownership is in this country. Um, the gunblog.ca, they were they compile that same data every single year it shows uh 2.2 plus million men and women are licensed firearms users and that's according to RCMP data as of uh last December 30th so last reporting day um that's more Canadians than play organized hockey but if Justin Trudeau were banning skates everybody would be up in arms but because it's firearms owners and they've been demonized and Justin Trudeau repeatedly stands on the graves of people in Nova Scotia or Uvalde Texas to attack people who didn't do anything it's just perfectly fine and i guess he gets away with it because he has a compliant media 
I think now would be a, a good time. So I, th- so what you're talking about is how he said he's standing on the graves uh, of stuff and that they're targeting people who actually aren't the problem, that these are mainstream people. Like if, if gun owners were the problem, it's not like this would be like a surprise. There's millions of us. And when you, when you said that um, there's 2.2 million gun owners, I think there's several hundred thousand that have been waiting in the wings now for mm-hmm. about two years the the licensing system it's been deliberately backed up and delayed and and, and strangled uh i so just that, renewed and it was a, like took yeah. forever in a day yeah i i get messages from people hey yukon do you know how to get the license to go faster and stuff and i say well you got to go get to a, a gun range membership that'll speed things up a little bit but really there's like one office with one printer to service the entire nation. And this is deliberate. They're trying to mm-hmm. make it hard to it's a prohibition through inconvenience. Correct. Yeah. Let's 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 just make it not worth your time. So I want to show a video here um, of uh, Marco Mendicino. Now, this is an interesting video. It was from a couple years back. He did um um what was that show? It was called Political Blind Date with Glenn Motts. So they they both came on and they talked about guns and the difference between the liberal and the conservative viewpoints. And this is this is really interesting stuff. Because in part of some of the, the, the sustained trends that we've seen in gun violence, we're revisiting our laws. I think people are talking more about mental health issues and issues around access and, and, and to resources that will help them. We have many kids who are going to schools and the schools are not safe. We have young men who, you know, don't feel any sense of self-worth. And it's not really about guns or whether we have guns. If somebody wants to take somebody's life, they'll find a way to do it. Yeah. And as, until we deal with the, the, the roots of violence and why children are doing this in the first place, yeah. then it doesn't matter what we do. I think it may start with, I'm a poor kid living in the hood, so to speak. So I'm watching TV and I'm seeing, oh, this person has this or this person has that. Then someone else may say, hey, well, you can have this too. You know, here's 20 bucks or whatever it is. Just kind of stand at the street corner or whatever the case may be and kind of keep an eye out um, for, for the police. And then before long, you become really involved. Right now, it may be a case of, well, you know what? You're 13. Can you keep this handgun or can you keep this sawed off shotgun before you realize you're completely involved in all of this sort of stuff. If we could come up with a set of rules and laws that reduce the likelihood that those uh, totally uh, prohibited weapons and guns would be in our community, would you be in favor of that? While I think enforcement and those sort of pieces are definitely going to be a part of it, I think if that becomes the only area that we focus on in terms of coming to a solution, then we have completely missed the point. I would and agree. I think, and we're completely ignoring what are those core issues those that gets a gun that- in someone's head. There you have it. Something to keep in mind here. Those are his constituents and the people who are working directly to resolve gun, gun violence in his community. And they're saying that we need to address the root causes. Those people need Jordan Peterson. That that was like my first my yes. first response was, oh, we've got disaffected young men in a wayward world that don't have dads. Maybe they need a Jordan Peterson book and not a gun ban. Correct. And the 
the reality is here is that he's ignoring his own constituents' advice to pursue this. And his constituents have identified that it it doesn't matter. They can they'll find another way to kill each other. It, it, the problem is there's a compulsion to commit homicide here that has to be addressed. And it won't matter if you ban this or ban that. They're going to find an illegal way to obtain this or an illegal way to do that or do it a different way or just go about it another avenue. And the fundamental problem is the compulsion to commit murder. And until that's addressed, this problem will continue. So when his own constituents say that, the his political opposition says that gun owners say that the gun lobby says that everyone basically everyone in canada is telling him that the ban's not going to do anything the police association the police chiefs they're all saying this isn't going to work it's not going to fix the problem and he goes ahead and says no we're doing this anyway and we're not just we're not just banning this we're banning that we're they're, they're going for the whole nine yards now and it, it proves without a doubt that the ban, it's ideological in nature, and it is unsafe, and it's getting people killed. It is getting people killed because we're not addressing the problem. And, you know, you look at what has happened with the Liberals. You look at the statistics. It's it's just a clear rising line since Justin Trudeau got in power. And there's multiple reasons for that. Um, a because our economy has been suffering, right, it's very tempting for a young person who can't get a job to go out and sell a bag of cocaine for a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like if you if you can give people jobs and families and they're valued in, in society, there's no incentive to go out and break the law. Yeah. The, sec the second problem is that they've been lowering penalties for serious crimes, not only for gun violence, but gun smuggling, for God's sakes. Like this yeah. is this is the the problem in itself. They pass legislation and you see Mendicino going on and on. Oh, we're passing this and we're going to we're going to we're, we're going to increase the penalties. And this no, for the last seven years, you've been reducing them almost annually, creating excuses, excuses and slaps on the wrist for these are serious cr crimes. And, you know, I'm all for, for giving someone a chance to rehabilitate, but when you've been put in prison 50 times and you go on a stabbing spree, okay, something is wrong with the, the justice system. And I want Canadians out there to think about something. Imagine if that man had been armed with a gun and gone on his spree. What Marco Mendicino, what Justin Trudeau would be saying on TV about gun owners right now and what they're going to do to us and and making it all the responsibility of someone like myself for someone like you, other peaceful, law-abiding gun owners, we would be getting all the blame for it. But just because it was a knife used, we'll just, they, they, they didn't even have much of a comment on it, you know? And at the end of the day, I want to stop this stuff from happening. Right. I, I don't want people to live in fear. Like I, I live in a, a rural setting where firearms are a tool for me. Yeah. They provide sustenance. They're part of my employment. Right. The people in the cities, they're afraid of guns because people are shooting each other. Right. I, I, I get that. And I want to stop that. But you're not going to stop it by taking my firearms and you're not going to stop it by <laughs> lightening the penalties 
uh, on serious crime. And you're really, you're really not going to stop it when you promise money to law enforcement and border patrol and never deliver. You you hear Marco, he talks about, oh, we're going to give $330 million. And where have we heard that for? You know where we heard it for? From Bill Blair. And you know where we heard it for before Bill Blair? We heard it from Ralph Goodale. All of them since 2018. 18, every minister of public safety has promised this $330 million that never arrives and never comes to fruition, but he'll send money to Ukraine or, or, or whatever he tweets on his, on his feed, uh, just on a whim. If he can virtue signal, he doesn't care how much it costs, but actually fighting crime, actually stopping gun smuggling, actually stopping, you know, gang homicide in this country, he doesn't care. He wants the problem to continue so that he can offer Canadians a solution to the problem. Vote for us or you'll die. Vote for the Liberal Party. We'll save you. It's a problem they are creating and then offering a phony solution to. It's very dangerous. It's unacceptable. And it's getting people killed. And I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm willing to go to jail over this. This is it. I'm not I'm not allowing it to continue any longer. I am going to assert my rights to own property in this country at all costs. You know, it's interesting because one of the reasons that they gave for dropping those mandatory minimums for a whole host of gun crimes was, well, we're battling systemic racism because minorities are largely the ones who end up being incarcerated because of these mandatory minimums. But what's the inverse of this? You're a allowing gangsters and gun, actual gun criminals, not paper criminals, back into minority neighborhoods to terrorize them while expending all your resources on law-abiding gun owners in the rest of the country. That feels like systemic racism when you are making these minority neighborhoods pay for your ideological agenda. Yeah, you know, I, I can't, I'm not a police officer on the Toronto streets. I can't comment on who's committing the crime or or how communities out there are feeling. You know, I can only comment on this. If you shoot up a park with kids in it, you go to jail. You go yep. to jail for a long time. There is no mercy on this in my book. Yep. And if, if it comes to it, you know, I, I would be fine with deportation too. Like, why not? Why you don't get to come to Canada and join organized crime and shoot up our streets? Passport revoked. Go back and do it somewhere else. You know. Now, there's just as as many and important issues on the other side of that argument that we should try and 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 reach out and re rehabilitate people when we can. There are people who can be saved and there are people who get involved in this drug stuff out of desperation, right? Like we, sure. we have to have an avenue, but you know, everybody on this planet knows you don't shoot at kids in a park and that yeah. keeps happening over and over. And that's at least what I see on my news. And it's, it's got to stop and it's not going to stop until we shut down the illegal guns, till we lock up the criminals, till we give the police the authority to go after these bang gangbangers. Like, why? Like, think about what Justin Trudeau did. He declared an emergency act to arrest all these truckers, round them up and, and pepper spray them and seize their property and seize their bank. He seized, seized people who donated to them for pizza. Yeah. He, he, he enacted insane powers 
like police state powers to shut down people who are saying, hey, I, I'd like to be left alone and go back to work, please. That's all they were asking. Yeah. Why can't he do that for the gangs? Why can't we mobilize, round up these organized criminals? The, the cops know who they are. They yep. keep arresting them. The legal system keeps letting them free. You know, why can't we take that aggressive an approach on a very real urban problem and solve it? You know, um, you know, if 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 that's the new way in Canada, police state powers, well, at least let's go after the crooks. You know, I, I, I don't know. It seems like a a, a very simple a straightforward, you know, avenue. Go this way, do that. At least that will. We're at least we're on the right target right now. And right now, it's it's just it's all about keeping power. It's power over ethics, one hundred percent. We don't care. We're gonna we're gonna punish you. We're gonna demonize you in the media. We're gonna blame you, and we're gonna frighten people into voting for us. That's all it is. Now, what do you think? Do you, uh, two questions, I guess. Do you think Ontario? will follow suit with Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. Do you think they'll get on board? And my second part of that question is, on the flip side, what do you think the Liberals are going to do to those provinces who say, no, we're not we're not playing this game? I think, well, I, I don't know. I don't really have a whole lot of faith in Ontario political yeah. <laughs> process these days. You know, never say never. Like, there's a few things working in favor here for gun owners. The first one is the cost of this, right? It's going to get obscene really quickly. Like it's not just the cost of the gun. It's the cost of the administration. It's, it's the sending out of police. Like you're, what are you going to do? You're going to have to like call gun owners and say, meet us here at 15. Or come kick in their doors. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, People are going to say, no, I don't think so. I didn't break any laws. Thank you. You'll have to come get them. And then, okay, so now what? Now you got to send out the riot team on top of that. You're going to, you're going to do that to, to how many millions of Canadian gun owners, right? And th- the problem, this is, this is why the, the liberals initially wanted the long gun registry, because this is the, 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 the goal all along was, to- was total civil disarmament. Right now they have no idea what people own or where or why. So it's just like a total shot in the dark most of the time. And I think a lot of people out there, they they think, well, why does why don't we have all the guns registered? Why don't we have all the guns? This is unsafe, right? Well, I'll put this very simple piece of logic forward to you. Handguns have been registered in Canada since the 1930s. Uh, my entire life, all my handguns, they're registered. Um, Handguns are the number one firearm used to commit gang homicide in this country. Long guns are are they are used at times, but they're they are definitely the secondary or tertiary tertiary avenue. It's always always handguns. So the most restricted, the most registered, the most tracked and traced firearms by police are the ones that are used criminally. So if gun registration somehow helped stop gun violence it would already be happening it's it's not happening the the complete opposite is happening and the complete opposite is happening because the criminals are bypassing our entire gun control system they just go get some guns from the united states and go do whatever they want with them it's it's way easier to get an illegal gun in canada than it is a, a legal gun and um our government knows that 
are, are the, uh, the conservative party knows that the liberals they know this but the conservatives are they're they're interested in resolving the issue you know to make to make changes to to actually start shutting this crap down whereas the liberals they they're, they're just quietly perpetuating it, it it's yeah. deliberate at this point there's there's no way to deny it you can't tell me that the last three public safety ministers have promised all this money that's never appeared and they're promising again you know it's just it's getting people killed that's that's what it comes down to. it's getting people killed and we got to shut it down it's like everybody's pretending that chicago doesn't exist you know these like decades of gun bans and Democrat policies and shootings are still out of control and people still keep voting Democrat. And instead of saying, you know what, let's not do what they did there. That doesn't seem to be working. Justin Trudeau says, you know what, let's do that to the whole country. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not too concerned with what Justin Trudeau says. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm going to do the right thing. Yeah. Like I, 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 I think there are sort of three rules that you can, sort of say to yourself that there's, there's a difference between a young man and, and, and a grown man and the the first rule is that you you always have to tell the truth you you have to tell the truth even when it causes pain and it and especially to yourself that's the first rule the second rule you have to make sure that you you protect and, and value the people around you and you provide when you can. And the third rule, you know, I would say is that you have to admit when you're wrong, especially when it's embarrassing, especially when there's consequences. And, you know, for me to go along with this gun ban, I think I would be breaking all three of those rules as a man. And I don't think Justin Trudeau can call himself a man or Marco Mendicino um, because he's breaking all those rules with his gun ban. And, you know, maybe that's an old fashioned way of looking at it. Maybe that's uh, out of date or out of touch, but that's what I believe. And that's what I'm going to live by. And we'll see what happens. Now, I wanted to ask you, because I tried to send you a Zoom link this morning <laughs> for, for this Zoom call. And yeah. You had been disappeared from the internet um, because, yeah. because uh, of excessive gore. Now, um, I'm not yeah, sure if go that's ahead, go no, ahead. no, I, I'll let you explain. But um, it's funny because there are a few things I really like in this world. One of them is being left alone and the other one is meat. And <laughs> I want to be left alone by the government. I want them to leave my personal property alone. And I like meat. I like eating meat. I like harvesting meat. And you have been banned from Twitter, I guess, for being a proud harvester of animals. Well, I actually have. It's more to it than that. So let me hear it. Okay. So. I think I figured out why I got banned now, and, I, and I'm going to prove it to you. You'll, you'll have to share my screen again. So you see this one? It says account is locked. Yes. Okay. So here we go. Um, uh, this, so this first ban here, look, your account is locked. We've determined you broke the rules, but it doesn't even say why, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just banned. Uh, and it was like a temporary ban, like a couple of days or 24 hours. I can't remember. 
Um, then this one here, this is the one that they've they banned me for this time. They're saying a permanent ban. You can't post gratuitous gore because I posted a hunting photo. And that happened to me several times prior to this permanent ban now. So I got I before what it said when I posted a hunting photo that was too bloody, um, I had to delete the tweet and then I was allowed back on. But the the really weird thing about it was it was photos I had previously posted. So I thought, oh, maybe they just changed the algorithm and there's anti-hunting people or, or, or who knows, right? Um, she was having some bad vaccine side effects she got. Yeah. And I said, not alone. And I said, look at the VAERS data. Um, and all of a sudden I'm banned again, right? COVID mis misinformation. And, um, you know, the other one I posted, I literally... It, all I did was quote the the article, a CTV news article, and they were saying like there were no cases of of uh, flu in 2021. Yeah, in Alberta. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and I'm <laughs> like no cases of flu, and then like vaccine side effects are rare. And all I did was I quoted the article with yeah. quotation marks, and then it said "LOL, vaccine addicts in denial," and uh, that got me suspended again temporarily so this time the latest tweet yesterday i posted a photo of it wasn't even me hunting it was my buddy because i didn't get to go hunting this year um my buddy they went and froze their their butt off up north and they got a moose in the snow it's very hard thing to do very difficult to, thing to do and there was a photo of a frozen moose head i think that's what got me permaband now that all said let's have a look at my account Okay, so let's look right here. This is my homepage on my band account right here. The pinned tweet I have at the top of my page, this one got quite a quite a bit of popularity. It's a big tweet of really compromising connections that Justin Trudeau has with various members of his own political party, his friends, sex offenders, criminals. It, it's it's truly it's truly terrible, terrifying, and, and amazing yeah. how, how much of this stuff goes on with this guy, the, the connections that he has. And it's all verifiable. You can fact check me away. Let's see what happens when I click on it. All of the tweets are gone. They're all deleted. Huh. So here's the comments to the, the, the thread that had all this information everyone's saying saying yeah right on good good job yukon but the actual data is gone and fortunately somebody used a thread reader a thread reader app and it's still available for people who want to see it look at this here's all the people he got involved with with sexual harassment joshua boyle of yeah. course yeah here he is teaching kids uh, half naked um blackface after blackface after blackface friends charge pedophilia fellow mps you know marwin tabara he allowed him to run despite his, he he was like a, a home invader you know yeah. like this is this is not minor stuff this is people in, in his party here's the pmo office hanging yeah. out with eric gagne uh hanging out with uh jerry butts and, and trudeau you know all of these people dozens and dozens and dozens of people criminals uh chinese triad or sorry uh 
I think, yeah, I think it was triads. I can't, I don't know, but some sort of organized criminal uh, gave him campaign donations. It's all, all, it's not conspiracy. There's legacy media articles about all this stuff. And I cited it all and it was just sort of for fun and everybody kept adding more and more and more. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's been deleted off my, my account. That's convenient. Yeah, that is very convenient, isn't it? So um, I, I don't know. I can't really say for sure why I got banned, but I know that it's been it's been ramping up. I've been getting these mini bans for like ridiculous nothing tweets for a long time now. And uh I, I would say I've been pushing it a little bit lately. You know, but it's it, it, the the sad thing is like it's really it's really sad to, for for every conservative out there, we face this situation online to to say what we think. For me to say that I'm pushing it, all, all I'm doing is uh, just being honest, right? I, I'm just th- saying what I think, saying what I feel is right. And, you know, it it's led to a situation where other conservatives across the country, they're afraid to speak out, yeah. right? And, you know, a lot of people, since, since I got, I got a, ton, a ton of people, there's lots of people sending me all sorts of love and saying, wow, what's going on? They're freaking out. And this is crap. And it feels really good to me to know that so many people actually cared. I didn't realize that many out there cared so much, but I would say this to them all. Don't worry about my voice, worry about your voice. I want you to find your voice because if you're living in a country where you're afraid to speak your mind, you're not in a free country anymore. Okay. And we, we've seen this recently, how powerful it is. Like when we saw the truckers come together, how power the, the liberals had no idea how to deal with that. And we saw it again recently with uh, Marty up North. He started that Twitter trend and, and all of a sudden all these people started coming out of the woodworks and speaking up and it's, it sort of died off again. And I want all those people who made those posts to join uh, Marty's little trend thing. I want you to keep talking. I want you to keep spe- speaking and saying what you think because there is way more of us than them now, and it's just a matter of time. And I think honestly, what's going to happen here is Trudeau is he's delaying the election um, until his little censorship bill is put into full effect. We're going to see we're going to see the worst censorship of all time in the next election, the most media bias Canada has ever seen uh, because they're scared. Right now, the the political winds have changed. It's just a matter of time, and uh, he needs to have every edge he has, every edge he can get in in order to have a prayer at this point. You don't censor a man with nothing to say. Uh, DJ, I could talk to you all day. I promised you a half an hour, but I think <laughs> we're, we're approaching an hour, um, which is great. I could talk, like I said, I could talk to you all day and I should have you on again very, very soon um, <laughs> sure. so that we can uh, talk some more because I have lots to say and I know you do too. Um, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, no problem at all. Have me anytime. And uh, thank you, Sheila and Yankee. And I also really like um, the Quebecois lady you guys have. What's her name? Alexa, Alexa Lavoie. Uh, really. Fun name to say. <laughs> I like what you guys do and I appreciate how hard it is. And it's been a service to this country that none of us will ever be able to repay. Oh, I appreciate that so much. And yeah, we like Yankee too. <laughs> Thanks, DJ. Bye. Right. 
now we've come to the portion of the show where we invite your viewer feedback. If you'd like to send me an email directly to be read on air about anything that I've said or filmed or written, you can send that to me directly to Sheila at rebelnews.com. And don't forget to put gun show letters in the subject line so it's really easy for me to find. It's not that I'm lazy. I get a lot of emails in a day. And if I want to find yours, I need to find an easy way to search it. Or you can leave us comments on our videos wherever you might find our videos, but preferably Rumble. I don't like to mosey over to the censorship platform of YouTube. So if you leave a comment underneath one of our Rumble videos, we'll be sure to see it. So that's where I'm actually taking our comments from today. And it is not on a show that I've done, but rather on a video that I filmed, letting everybody know that we have a brand new documentary coming out. It's called Ungovernable, Alberta's Quest for Independence. And it is a documentary made by our chief documentarian, Kian Simone. I call him something different every time. He's our head of documentaries, our chief documentarian. Anyway, he's our lead filmmaker on this, and he is a born-again Albertan. He's new here, and he knew that we don't like our relationship in Confederation, but he wanted to know why, and he wanted to talk to the people about why we feel this way, how far historically this goes back, and what are the ways to fix this? Is it leaving? Is it exercising our power within confederation like Quebec does, or is it something different? He talks to people with different ideas about how to fix Alberta's relationship with Canada, including talking to me since I'm a lifelong Albertan and the land I live on while my family's lived on it since before Alberta was a thing. Anyway, on the Rumble video, Gerdo, I hope I said that right, I could be butchering it, writes, 1905, so that's the year that Alberta joined Confederation officially, was a bad year for Alberta. Think of where we'd be now without that monstrous blood-sucking leech equalization to the rest of Canada on our back, stealing our wealth and blocking our progress. It would be kind of sad to join the United States, but vastly preferable to being perpetually assaulted by a never-ending string of Laurentian elite prime ministers because of an unwritten rule that they have to speak fluent French. You know, I don't know if you know who J.J. McCullough is, but he's a Canadian YouTuber, He's, or at least was, I'm not sure anymore, based in British Columbia. And he, I think, was renounced <laughs> by the Quebec legislature for pointing out, among other things, that if you speak French, you get preferential treatment in this country. You get appointments to the Supreme Court. You get to advance through the federal bureaucracy. And that disproportionately discriminates against Westerners because we have no need to speak French here unless we want to work for the federal government. It's something that's sort of forced upon us, foisted upon us, when if you think about it, more people would be inclined to learn Ukrainian here just by demographics than we would be inclined to learn French. But if we want opportunities within 
the federal bureaucracy or to be appointed to the Supreme Court or be the prime minister, we have to speak French. And it's just unfair. Abraham P. writes, Alberta should hold a referendum to leave Canada and join the states, LOL. Then they can replace their Canada for real cash. Um, I don't know if... I don't know if a referendum would pass today, but I think there are a lot of questions that need to be asked. And more importantly, we should be allowed to ask these questions because Quebec is. Quebec is allowed to openly discuss separation all the time. Their fancy people are separatists. Their politicians are separatists. Their media personalities are separatists. Their celebrities are are separatists, and they are just as accepted as federalists in Quebec. But in Alberta, if the second we say, you know, I think we might be getting a raw deal in Confederation, what can we do about it? Not even to say that we would leave, but what can we do about it? Immediately, we're told to shut up, sit down, um, do the patriotic thing, and just continue to be screwed by the federal government. And if you don't shut up right now, then you're a fringe radical white supremacist. And um, it's outrageous because even in discussing how unfair we are treated within Confederation, we're treated unfairly because we're not allowed to talk about these things. And Quebec sure is. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here in the same time, in the same place next week. And remember, whether you're a separatist or not, a gun owner or not, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think. <laughs>